The Adam Crowley Show. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. Take it lower. Staring blankly ahead, just making my way, making a way through the crowd. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Baseball talk in a few minutes on the Crowley Show. In fact, let's do this. Tom, you have the sound that the Lynx make whenever they're yelling at each other. This is one of the viral videos on the interwebs today. It is two Lynx that are talking to one, each other, to one another. They are animals. They are cat-like creatures. They are felines. And this is what they sound like. Incidentally, this is also what ESPN's first take sounds like. Shut the... This guy. This guy's filming Lynx. And at one point he goes, this is rare. We never see this. And he keeps talking. If it's rare, then let's watch it, you jackass. It also sounds like Cook and Pony. And it sounds a little bit like Twitter after the Penguins lose a game. Now that we've all laughed at Lynx making weird sounds, and before we talk about baseball and hockey, let's talk about something really uncomfortable, like race. Here's a quote from the assistant police chief in Milwaukee. After Tom Barrett, the rookie basketball player for the Milwaukee Bucks, was tased by police. Quote, there's going to be a video that's going to come out soon. And I'm going to be honest with you, we're going to need your support during the challenges, end quote. That is disturbing. That is something worth getting mad about. A video that police are going to release that's going to get you mad at the police, and yet a police assistant is asking you not to be mad about that. That's frustrating. What's frustrating is driving to work every day as a black man, that's not me, but as a black man, and having to worry about getting pulled over because of what you see on the news. That is an issue worth worrying about. That is an issue worth standing up for. That is an issue worth getting mad about. What I don't think is an issue worth getting mad about is people kneeling during the national anthem. And feel free to turn the station off at this moment if you are anti what I'm saying, feel free to just listen to viewpoints that only talk about what you want to hear. But it's a cloth. I love this country, but I grew up in a different country than people who live 15 minutes away from me. I grew up in a different country than people who live in Wilkinsburg. I grew up in a different country than people who live up on the hill. I grew up in a different country than people who live in Dormont. That's just the reality. I am privileged. We all didn't grow up in the same place, even though it is all governed by the same body. And yes, the flag is supposed to represent everything, not just what you want it to represent. But it's a flag. It's a piece of cloth. It does not mean anything. It doesn't. Lives do. So if you're going to get mad about something, get mad about the 
black man who got tased for no reason. Get mad about that. Don't flip out. Don't lose your mind because the national anthem at NFL football games is being played while African Americans are kneeling down. John tweets at me, bad for business, because the NFL is thinking about throwing out 15-yard penalties for players who kneel down. The NFL is thinking about telling the home teams to decide whether or not their team's going to come out for the national anthem or not. There are a lot of people who are saying in my Twitter mentions right now, good! 85% of the people, they don't want to see it anyhow. First of all, that is a completely made-up statistic. 85% have not seen that poll. That is made up. Second thing, Johnny says, they know where their bread is buttered, certainly not by the kneeling cowards. Not sure what's so cowardly about kneeling. Multiple players, including Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick, have lost their jobs doing just that. Because you people can't deal with the fact that they're kneeling down during the national anthem. What the national anthem and the flag represents to a lot of you people is soldiers and soldiers dying. And if that's what it means to you, okay, fine, I understand that. What it means to me is your rights, your freedoms, your ability to express your individuality. So anybody who's in my mentions saying, oh, good, it's best for business, good, these people should not be kneeling down. Try to broaden your worldview a little bit. Just a little bit. Not everyone grew up the same way as you. People are experiencing this country differently. As for the NFL, do you want this to go away? (laughs) Or do you want this to keep becoming part of the conversation? Man, next year was going to happen. You'd have a, a couple players here and there kneeling during the national anthem. But guess what? Don't show them on TV then. Tell your broadcast partners, hey, we don't want... You showing these players on TV. Now, if you make it a choice, you put it right in front of everyone's face. Do you know why people say that NFL players are thugs and gangsters? Because they're the ones getting suspended for doing all the things that everyone else in the other leagues is doing that they're not getting suspended for. When you tell players you can't do this, and then they do and then get suspended, it makes it look like a lot more of them do. The NBA, I guarantee you, 85% of the people, how about that statistic, are smoking the reefer. But we don't know about it, so we don't care. If you don't show the kneelers, people aren't going to care. If you pull a team off the field so that the national anthem plays in front of only the fans and not the players, oh, daddy, people are going to care. And if you start penalizing players for kneeling down, oh, James Harrison, 15 yards for the Steelers on the opening kick. People are going to get pissed off the other way. The league does not need to overregulate this. The league just needs to simply say, hey, broadcast partners, enough showing it. And if I'm the broadcast partners, I'll say, I'll do whatever the hell I damn well please. But that's at least a solution to the problem of perception that the NFL has created. Just like with the weed, it's a perception problem created by the NFL itself, and this does not fix the problem that they do have. It just doesn't. And it's back in the news cycle again on May 22nd. It's been over a damn year 
All right, I'm good. I'm good. And yeah, breathing. <sighs> Calm down. Calm down, White Crowley. You're okay. You're okay. You're fine. But the guy who said, kneeling cowards. Come on. Don't think Eric Reed wants to be playing football now? You don't think Colin Kaepernick wants to be playing football? They took a stand by kneeling down, and now they don't get a chance to play. And they're both good enough to be playing. Okay, I'm good. No more. I'm done. Robert says you must not be paying attention. Robert, let's click on him real quick here. I like to play this game. He's in a hunting stand in his profile picture on Twitter. I mean, I knew it. That's why they call it a profile pic. Gives you all, all you need to know right there. Everything. Just surprised it doesn't say Make America Great Again on his hat. Oh, it did at one point. It did. That was a camo Steelers hat. Because, of course, it was. 412-922-2874. You know what? I don't even know if I want to give the number. I don't really want to talk to you people. I'm not going to give you my Twitter account either. i give it. I think it'd be fun. At underscore Adam Crowley. And the number again, 412-922-2874. The people who want to call in are too scared to call in anyway, though. They don't want to deal with logic and sense. Speaking of logic, it is illogical to sit down Austin Meadows. God, I, I don't want to talk about that, though. That just doesn't have any meat. There's no meat to that if you talk about the kneeling and the awful NFL policy that's being discussed. What if you wear a do-rag? Is that going to be a 20-yard penalty? No, seriously. What if, you're, what if your shoes are a little too flashy? Are you going to be a penalty? I think it already is. That's true. <laughs> yes. I think that's like 20K or something. Next thing you know, they won't let you celebrate again. And take that away, too. All the individuality, all the things that make the players different is going to be regulated out of the game. Yeah, I think they ought to just bring them all out so you can't see them, maybe in mm-hmm. like a, a covered hallway. And then, like, they walk out. You don't see them come out of a tunnel. They just emerge onto the field, play the game, go back into the tunnel, and that's all you get to see. Eyes forward when they're on the sidelines. No smiling. No high-fiving. Here's what we should do. And by we, I mean this country. We should come up with a song that is universally beloved and in no way patriotic (laughs) and make that the song that is sung before every single game. (laughs) <laughs> like wheels on the bus or something like that. Like, uh, I, I was thinking like Rod Stewart, but yeah, okay. Okay. Well, hey. I mean, it's, people are going to find something wrong with Rod Stewart the minute you say, "Ah, oh, that guy in his hair." Yeah, he's a womanizer. That Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah, how dare him? Yeah. I just think that the national anthem. I think it's. I look. I am a patriot. I love this country. Whatever the hell that means, right? I'm a patriot. You, know, you, you almost have to say it as a qualifier. But I, I think it's kind of pointless to have the national anthem played before sporting events. Anyhow, it it, it, it was created to be propaganda that was it it was it was propaganda let's do it god and country right now before your sporting event you're supposed to distract yourself from all the real world stuff when you're at a sporting event that's why you go that's why they serve beer that's why you don't want your wife there it's because you want to escape for three hours or in the case of baseball 15 hours that's why you're there so to play the national anthem uh, i think brings you back to that real world realization anyhow that there are things going on outside of your own little sports bubble, and frankly, I don't think these people want to deal with that. So, I'm saying Rod Stewart. 
What's I'm, a who is okay? So what is a? We're doing this now. What is? Who is a band? Who's an artist that is universally loved by everyone? Wow. I mean, in today's day and age, oh geez. Even Timberlake got hated for Super Bowl stuff. I thought he was like everybody loved everyone him. Everyone loved him. But then they started hating him during that. It I think you have to go with a kid. Like a seven year old kid that just gets up there and sings whatever song they want, because that way you can't hate on the kid. Dealer's choice. If you hate on the kid, then you're hating kids. If you love on the kid, I don't see how you could go wrong. So everybody would kind of love the kid. You know, he's singing whatever song they want. I'm thinking seven year old kid, like you said, dealer's choice. No one boos the kid. Doesn't have to be patriotic. Yeah, if you're happy and you know, clap your hands. Yeah, why not? Let's start the game off of that. If you hate your people's luck, kneel down. Oh, shoot. See, I ruined See, that one, too. Goes. Oh, it's, my God. How would that happen? Let's go to Devin, who is... Oh, it's Dana, who's in Pleasant Hills. Hello, Dana. Hi, how are you? I'm delightful-ish. How are you? <laughs> Great. I just um, assumed it was Devin. I'm sorry. How awful is that? I see a D, and I just assume the only person who's going to call is Devin. Anyhow, sorry. No, no worries. Um... I'm just wondering why the team even has to be on the field because there was a time when they weren't on the field. And that's fair, too. It doesn't make any sense to me to make it the spectacle that it is. The game itself is a spectacle. The stadium itself, everything that they have going on, the food, the booze, the entertainment board, that's all a spectacle. Why does the National Anthem have to become the spectacle anyhow? Exactly. The National Anthem is for the fans. The guys have work to do. Go do it. Be in the locker room and play the national anthem, and then they can come out. I'm in for that now, Dana, because then we can all shut up about this and talk about Austin Meadows and Gregory Polanco. I would love that. Thank you for your call. She brings up a good point, and it's hard to realize it now looking back after all the controversy, but you never had the national anthem unless it was a big game. I mean, yeah, they did it. At the stadiums, but like watching it on TV, which is how most of us consume our games. We're not going to every game. You'd never see it. If it's Super Bowl, of course, you'd get some celebrity in there to sing it like that. But it's just, it was a non-entity for me. It never even became a thing. Like, I never even thought about it until Kaepernick. You know, and now, I mean, it's almost like You know, the you're network, so right. Now the networks are almost in a situation where they're forced to air the thing. Just because they want the comments. They want Twitter feeds to go a buzz. They want more ads. They want that sort of thing. And, I mean, going back with my sports memory, I can't, other than the Super Bowl, I can't really no. remember a national anthem. No, you're right about that. And, look, guys in the front row have been picking their nose forever while the national anthem's on. People have been yeah. leaving their hats on forever when the national anthem's been on. Players are scratching their asses when the national anthem is on. Maybe it is just best if you just put the players back in the locker room, let them come out after the anthem, and then you could put the whole damn thing behind it. And that doesn't have to be political. It could just be uniform because penalizing players is asinine. Penalizing a guy for kneeling down during the national anthem is ridiculous. It's you, just you, stupid. You can't legislate morality through the game. Right. You know, like having a having a penalty for a thought, that gets into some pretty crazy stuff. Right. Because I could be like, I could go the other way. And like, you know, Brady was thinking about doing that, and all of a sudden you're in a minority report thing. He thought about it, so that's a 15-yard penalty. Right. Looked like he was going to do it. It's just, it's insane. Yeah, it's nuts. It's all insane.
Uh, Rank Pete tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. How about Sticks Renegade or Billy Squire the Stroke? Well, nobody likes Sticks. Not even people in Pittsburgh. They just think they do. Uh, And Billy Squire, uh, okay. Not universally loved. He's not. He's not. Braden tweets. This is the one thing I disagree with you on. I think the employers have the right to make rules. My employer has rules I disagree with, and I'm sure yours have some that you don't like. The NFL has the right to make rules for their employees. Yeah, there's no doubt they have this right. Uh, Obviously, they do, but players should have freedom to express themselves. Now, I realize freedom of expression, freedom of of speech, that's all given down by the Constitution to protect oneself from the government, not from their employer, but we're talking about kneeling down during a song. Enough. And Braden, with all due respect, there's a dead deer in your picture. And I love you. It's just sleeping. Yeah. Coming up next. Crowley, I got an idea real quick. I'm ready for the idea because I'm, I'm angry. Here's the, here's what we should all, before every game, in every sport, anywhere, ever again, this is a song we should play. Nobody's fighting. Nobody's arguing. Chris Boswell sets the tee down, puts the ball on the tee, and we're off with the 2019 season. Woo! Yeah! Coming up next, Jason Mackey. We'll talk about hockey and not race at all. Not at all. We're not even going to talk about Ryan Reeves. It's Crowley Show. (laughs) The national anthem in the flag represents to a lot of you people. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh? People either loved that last segment or they hated it. Ed loved it. He did. He called me a hero. And I'll agree I am a hero. Here's why. He said I'm a hero for dissing Sticks and Billy Squire in the same sentence. Hero. Look, I knew I was affecting people with this radio show. Braden says, why can't I have a deer in my picture? I'm pretty damn proud of that deer. I feel like I'm a little more right-wing than you. Haha. <laughs> Still love you, crowd man, you damn liberal. I am not a liberal as much as I just don't think race is political. Rank Pete says, the doors, this is the end. It's only 10 minutes long and a perfect song to start a ball game on a warm summer afternoon. <laughs> yeah, nothing better than spending an extra 10 minutes in a baseball stadium before the 15-hour game. Yeah, just what I want is some ethereal poetry. <laughs> that was that was bad by <laughs> sorry, you. Sorry, sorry. That was a train wreck. Uh, I want to hear how the snake is long. He's seven miles. I want to hear that right before my football game. Give me some Jim Morrison. Yeah. Did you have a lisp and then also have a wad in your throat? Look, th- this is problems with vape, <laughs> okay? I vape and then I try to talk and I forget that vaping and talking isn't isn't good together. And then I do it at the same time, every time. Like well, that. Jason Mackey uh-huh. forgets that the Penguin season is over and he's still reporting on hockey. And he keeps writing good things. And because of that, I have to have him on the show. Hello, Mackey. <laughs> Admit it, pal. It has nothing to do with me. You're just hurting for content. 
It's Damn just it. a slow news day. You got to look to Phil and be like, eh, Mackey works too much. I'll have him on. Yeah, I guess that's, well, that's, you just, I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, really, it's, it's, it's okay. It's fine. It's accurate. I'd be talking about this Monday morning quarterback thing for the next three hours if it weren't for you. All right, let's go. And you like hockey. I do I like don't hockey. Say I work too much because the Post Gazette makes me work too much. I work too much because I, I like it. Anyway. Oh, now you're just getting in your kiss-ass shot on the radio. Okay, I see how you play the game, Mackie. Jason no, Mackie. No, I'm not getting in my kiss-ass shot. I'm getting in my, I don't want my employer to think that I'm throwing him under the bus because I, I do most of it willingly. See, that's anyway. how you stay employed. I should learn a thing or two about you uh, from you, Jason Mackey. <laughs> uh, Mac Daddy, Brian Rust, extension. Sounds like something uh, that Jim Rutherford really wants to get done. Yeah, and I think Jim, in in what he said to me and and how he phrased it, I I just think he doesn't want to paint himself into a corner. That's why the wording was what it was. It was basically, you know, he would like to do it, assuming the cap pans out to be what he expects it to be, and I think it will. Um, But there's no question whether the Penguins like this guy, whether he's a useful player and all that stuff. I mean, they love him. They just have to agree on a number. I think Rust wants to be here. so it's just a formality. You know, I would look at, if we're going to look at a number, I'm sure that's probably the next question you're thinking about. But, um, you know, Connor Sherry got three, three last summer. I don't see our Russ doesn't get at least three and a half, maybe 3.75. Brian Russ's a better player. He'll play 200 feet. Yep. He, he scored big goals. He'll go to the front of the net. He does things that Connor Sherry just doesn't do, and that's not a knock on Connor Sherry. That's just the truth. One of the things that Jim Rutherford was talking about with you was that the Penguins want to have more scoring from the bottom six and specifically that fourth line. One of the reasons why Brian Rust is so useful is because maybe he can be an answer on that fourth line. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the way when the Penguins go and look to stack out their lines next season, I mean, that's an important part to have Rust and and probably have Rust in a bottom six capacity because he does add something there. Um, I know Jim feels very strongly about Daniel Sprong. We know that. Um, I, I think it's a reasonable assumption to think that he's going to start with Sid and Jake Gensel. And so right now you'd probably put up Kenny Malkin with the two Swedes. If you play Connor Sherry with Derek Broussard and Phil Kessel, that can be an effective line, and that gives you a fourth-liner Brian Rust. And that's some plus offense there, especially alongside Riley Shane. And so, I mean, it's certainly a key to the Penguins doing what they want to do and having a better fourth line than they did this past season. You just dropped a little nugget there. Daniel Sprung on that top line, huh? I mean, that's what I think, Adam. I can't say that I got that from any sort of intel um, with Jim Rutherford or anything like that. I didn't. But um, where I'm going with that is, I mean, one, he has familiarity with Sid. I think Sid likes playing with him, and it works. Um, he won't work with Evgeny Malkin because Mike Sullivan wants Malkin to be the primary shooter on that line. And that's just a terrible match if that's what they want to do. And, you know, you're, you're could play him with Broussard, but I would say all things being equal, some familiarity with Crosby when this kid's like, you know, the first time he's an NHL regular in a top six role. I just think it really helps him, and especially defensively, to be with Sidney Crosby. Do the Penguins listen to offers for a guy like Phil Kessel in one part because Daniel Sprong is kind of like Kessel light? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've gotten some, some feedback from this on Twitter, and I think people are taking that is like the predominant reason. You know, it's not like Jim Rutherford became enamored with Daniel Sprong, thus he wants to trade Phil Kessel. Mm. It's just sort of one of the, you know, one of the branches on the tree, so to speak. I mean, Phil Kessel makes a lot of money. He didn't have a very good playoff. I think he probably rankled some people, 
Mike Sullivan, maybe Jim Rutherford for his adherence to the Ironman streak. And I don't think the Penguins thought when they acquired Phil Castle in the first place that he was ever going to finish that contract out here. They just have too many young wingers, and that's the way you stay competitive. The first two years, like let's say the Penguins trade Kessel this offseason. Like the first two years, that deal might look bad. Kessel might go somewhere else and produce. But I think what they want to avoid is having like a 34-year-old Phil Kessel making $6.8 million bucks and just tying them up for everything else. And so that's why, yeah, I think they'll listen. I don't have a great enough sense on um, what any of the offers are, if there's a market, if there are offers, if there aren't offers. I, there is no indication of any of that stuff. The only thing why I wrote what I wrote today is I think it would make a lot of sense for them to at least listen, and I think Jim would be foolish not to do that. Yeah, same thing with Chris Letang, yes? And it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different in the sense that I don't think there would be as much of a market for Latang sure. as there is for Castle just because of the season he had last year. I mean, Phil's stock is sky high right now. It, 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 it's never going to be higher than it is right now. I can't say that about Chris Latang. Yeah, Chris Dang did not put up 92 points. And by the way, uh, uh, the player for the Kings, whose name is now escaping me, Anze Kopitar, uh, who is yeah. up for the Hart Trophy, had just as many points as Phil Kessel did this year. Now, he's a two-way player, but that just tells you how well Phil Kessel played during the regular season. Uh, Jason Mackey joining us here on the Crowley Show. Do you think Rutherford likes Dominic Simone as much as Mike Sullivan seems to like Dominic Simone? I don't know if Dominic Simone's mother likes Dominic Simone yeah. as much as Mike Sullivan <laughs> seems to like Dominic Simone. Um, that's a little bit baffling. Um, I, I think Jim likes Dominic Simone, but I, I think Jim got a little irritated that Daniel Sprong wasn't being included in the team's plans. Um, for one reason, that he's on an entry-level contract. You know, next peanuts. He's an RFA. He's going to make peanuts next year, too. And when you've guys producing on deals like that, that helps out the general manager. And I, I just... For whatever reason, I think there was a bit of a reticence on, on Solomon's part to use Daniel Sprong, whereas Dominic Simone got like all the ice time he needed and more. Um, and so I think that's why, or at least a little bit of why Jim said what he said at his season-ending press conference, that you're going to see Daniel Sprong next season. And I know um, this is in my 20 thoughts as well, but Jim basically said that you know Daniel Sprong's progress has been delayed enough. We, we've waited. We've been careful enough. It's time to take the training wheels off and see what we have. And I think that's a very fair way of looking at it with him. Rutherford, in your piece, says he wants to add a bottom deep pair to lessen the minutes for Chris Letang. I don't think there's a better defenseman on the market that they could acquire than Chris Letang if he plays up to his capabilities. And it sounds like Rutherford thinks that less is more for uh, for Chris Letang. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, and, and we're looking somewhat 5-on-5. Five five. I think Jim would like to see that third pair be a little bit more effective. I think the, the, the two cup years, they had Colin Schultz as their third pair, and that was really um, a bonus for them. I mean, that was a better third pair probably than any third pair in the league. And you saw that drop off a little bit this season. And so uh, Jim wants a right-handed guy, preferably. He's not going to like marry himself to getting a righty for that pair. Um, but somebody who can play in, in special team situations, who can be steady enough five on five. And you know what? That's a reasonable ad at July 1. There's going to be guys like that out there. I think probably based on the age of the team, the experience level, and some of the stuff they, they lost, I wouldn't be surprised to see that be a veteran guy. It's not going to be a big splashy move or something like that. But I do think it's smart. And I, I think this isn't the first time that Jim has brought up Latang's minutes either. And, and I'm not sure Chris Latang wants to hear that they want to control his minutes. 
But I do think that's something coming from the GM that he'd like Latang to be playing a little bit less than I think it was 25-15 he played this year. So maybe in the 23-24 range. It was kind of odd to me how it seemed like Jim Rutherford diminished the importance of Ian Cole on the back-to-back cup-winning teams. Yeah, I was a little thrown by that too, Adam. I'm not going to lie. I, I thought, you know, I, I thought Ian Cole was a really important part of those two teams. I thought Ian Cole, um, you know, you can say what you want about how he um, handled the media, how he continued to handle the media when he knew that that sort of rubbed Mike Sullivan the wrong way. Cole just decided to continue doing what he's always done and, you know, probably could have handled that better if we're being honest here. Um, but as far as how he played on the ice, man, I mean, that guy gave everything he had. Whether he was happy or unhappy, he was an effective player. You can look at the numbers. You can look at how his teammates received him. You can look at how effective he was on the ice. I mean, I have zero problems with what Ian Cole did in Pittsburgh. If you want to look at it and say, hey, we weren't going to keep this guy anyway, he's going to go make more than we're comfortable paying, I think that's fair because I think Ian Cole is going to get between 4 and $5 million on July 1 and good for him. And that doesn't make sense for the Penguins to pay that when they're already paying with Tang, Dumoulin, and Mata, and Schultz. But uh, to say he you know, didn't do much or kind of had like a year and a half or whatever Rutherford said where he wasn't happy with his role. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't totally buy that. Tristan Jari, backup goalie for the Penguins next year? I don't think so, Adam. I, I don't, and here's why. Um, everything I've seen with Tristan Jari mentally, I think that kid, if he got a run of start, it's almost like Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, there are certain people that are capable of handling the backup goaltender role and, like, you know, thriving on spot duty. I think Casey DeSmith does that reasonably well. And there are certain guys that need steady starts. And I think Tristan Jari will be a very good goalie in this league, but I think he needs to be playing all the time to get that. There's kind of like a feel thing and to be in the mix and whatever. Um, so I, I just I don't. I don't see that. And I, I do think that it makes too much sense for them to ponder trading Tristan Jari I understand it's in Rutherford's best interest to say that he's going to compete for an NHL job. I mean, obviously, he's not going to outwardly say, like, hey, I'm going to trade Tristan Jari. You know, I don't expect him to say that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up moving him. Last couple of things for Jason Mackey here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jason, I do not like the Washington Capitals for a myriad of different reasons. However, I think I'm rooting for him on Wednesday night because I would love to see the story of Ovechkin in the Capitals trying to get over the hump against the greatest story in sports this year. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it's Marc-Andre Fleury trying to thwart Alex Ovechkin. Uh, I think that's what's best for the league, too. I'm with you, Crowley. I'm with you, man. I, I think it would be an interesting story. Um, and you know what? Like, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. Alex Ovechkin is a terrific player. He's one of our generation's best talents. He's one of the best goal scorers in the history of the league. Like, that guy deserves a chance to play for a Stanley Cup. And anybody who's watched these playoffs and can reasonably say that Alex Ovechkin hasn't given it everything that he's had, especially, you know, watching that game last night, watching what he did to the Penguins. I mean, this is a guy that wants it. And, and I agree. I mean, I think people in Pittsburgh understandably have some problems with, like, Tom Wilson and some other things the Capitals do, and that's fine. But, and this is an all-time great year, and, and I just think it would be terrific if he had a chance to play for a cup. And like you said, if he's opposite Flurry, which is kind of hilarious. I mean, based on how much Flurry has tortured the Capitals over the years, but I think it would make some great theater in the Stanley Cup final. It would. I wonder how much Alexander Ovechkin would like it. Probably not. I don't think he would. No, no. But I don't think he has anything. You know, there's not really much you can do about it. I don't think anybody wants to play Vegas right now, to be honest with you. I mean, oh they're so well. They're such a good team. They're such a pain in the butt to play against. 
I mean, that's uh, Tampa or uh, Washington. I don't care who it is. I mean, that is just not that's not what you want to see coming out of the other brackets. Apart from a total flurry meltdown, I would have him the Conn Smythe winner no matter what happens in the Cup final. Absolutely, absolutely, and and honestly, you know, let's say it goes seven and they don't win or something like that, and Flurry continues to play as well as he has, and, and Washington is just one goal better. I mean, unless like Ovechkin scores like ten goals in the right. Cup final or something like that, I mean, I still think Flurry's in consideration. It's been absolutely incredible. Yeah, uh, this is the first year that it seemed like Alexander Ovechkin's gotten help from players up and down his lineup, which is one of the reasons why they are where they are. Meanwhile, yes, the same thing's happening in Vegas, but they don't sniff this if Marc-Andre Fleury's not doing the splits every damn night. No, they don't, but you know what? And I don't say this to take any credit away from Vegas and and Fleury and anything like that. And I wrote this today. They do play a system that is tremendously friendly to goaltenders. You know, and they've had some kids, what, Oscar Dance come in and uh, Maxime... Um, Legacy, I think is how you say his last name, Malcolm Subban. Like, they've had a couple kids come out of nowhere, come in there and play well. You know, Flurry's asked to make like, what, five or six curate day saves a night, something like that. And I mean, to his credit, he's made them. I'm not, I'm not knocking it by any means, but I love Gerard Gallant's style. They get the puck out quickly. They play fast. They get out of their own zone. They don't spend a lot of time there. And so it is, it does tend to be fairly easy or easier on a goaltender. Yes or no, the Penguins are still playing if Mark Andre Flurry's here. Uh, no, I don't think they are. I just think there was, I think there were too many flaws in other areas of their game. You know, you, you get that little secondary scoring, that's hard to overcome. You know, Flurry's going to let in a few GPs too. Everybody loves to look at this and say, oh, Mark Andre Flurry wouldn't do this. But when Mark Andre Flurry was here, he let in some cheap goals too, especially early in periods, early in games. And, you know, I, I think it might have happened as well. So I, I don't think that goaltending was, the difference. I mean, I, I think that Braden Holtby outplayed Matt Murray, but I don't think it was the like be-all, end-all on the why the Capitals beat the Penguins. No, if Ovechkin's coming in on a two-on-one four times in three games, uh, that's a little bit different than Vegas not allowing those kind of opportunities, and uh, I think it speaks to your prior point. Uh, there's there was a time uh, a couple of years ago when the Julio Jones Antonio Brown debate was scorching, and I've got a buddy who's a big Atlanta Falcons fan. And A.B. drops a ball, and he goes, Julio Jones wouldn't have dropped that. And I said, yeah, I know, neither would Antonio Brown have. It just happened to Antonio Brown right now at this moment because you're going to let in a bad goal from time to time. A receiver's going to drop a ball from time to time. I think you're spot on and all that. Uh, Jason, I probably should have dumped you before I told that completely uh, erroneous story that was very boring. Uh, Thank you for your time, my friend. Anytime, pal. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Coming up next, it is the hottest take of the day. It's other crap and the three stars of the show. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. We're back. <laughs> Not from break, although I suppose that's the case, but we're back. Yesterday's show sucked. Today was back. We're back. But we don't have a lot of time, so... It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> there is dissension from Tom Brady. This dude ain't showing up for OTAs. WEEI has sent reporters every which way trying to find out where Tom Brady is and isn't. 
And where he isn't is the TB12 facility working out. And where he isn't is maybe the United States of America. Which means that Bill Belichick's probably royally pissed the frig off. Bill Belichick likes to be the guy in charge. Tom Brady knows that Bill Belichick likes to be the guy in charge. And Tom Brady no longer loves Bill Belichick. All this was outlined in an ESPN story filed just prior to the playoffs last year. So here's the hot take. Are you ready? You guys ready for it? Because here it comes. The Patriots dynasty is dead. Done. Over. Not winning another thing. Not winning a championship. Not going to AFC championships. They are finished. Their time is over. And the rise of the Pittsburgh Steelers can begin. I'm sorry. Did I say the Pittsburgh Steelers? I meant the Jacksonville Jaguars. The rise of the Jacksonville Jaguars can begin. Jalen Ramsey and company. This always happens. I think you got a great relationship and then it just all falls apart. Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. Bill Belichick, the greatest of all time. Both want credit. Both can't get credit at the same time. Doesn't work that way in sports media anymore. You either say it's one guy's fault. You either proclaim responsibility for the other guy. You can't have it both ways. You can't say they win because of both. It just doesn't work that way. I can't because I'm nuanced. But the hot takers of the world, no, 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 no. They don't believe in that. It's one or the other. And they both think it's them. And therefore, they're done. Woo! Other crap. Brooks Orpic says the Capitals won because of desperation. Hey, that's how my college friend got HPV. Woo! Other crap. LeBron James passed Kareem on the NBA's all-time playoff field goals list. I guess Abdul left the door Jabbar. Woo! Other crap. LeBron's back. Woo! Other crap. Nice hairline. Woo! Other crap. There will be no penalty for Matt Patricia or the Lions after the discovery of his 1996 sexual assault case. Damn, I had him penciled in for a four-game suspension. Woo! Other crap. I guess he erased his past. Woo! Other crap. His beard looks dumb. Woo! Other crap. Brian had one about a baseball player named Juan who should be in the Juan Run Derby. Woo! Other crap. The Home Juan Derby. There we go. Woo! Other crap. It's Home Run. He hit his first Juan. Woo! Other crap. I forgot the name of the player and I did not write it down. Woo! Other crap. It's Juan. Woo! Other crap. It's been 440 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Jason Mackey! I mean, honestly, you know, let's say it goes seven and they don't win or something like that, and Flurry continues to play as well as he has, and, and Washington is just one goal better. 
I mean, unless, like, Ovechkin scores, like, 10 goals in right. the final or something like that, I mean, I still think Flurry's consideration. It's been absolutely incredible. Another star, it's the second one. Tonight's second star of the show, Dale Lolly! Did him? No. Did he jump in front of him in line a couple of times? Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, he, you know, Ben's Ben, and he's going to take his backhanded, you know, passive-aggressive shots at, at guys and do the things that he does that he's done. He just can't help himself. First star. And the number one star of the show, Brian LaMartino! Good one. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs Tomorrow on the show, we find out whether or not Ben Roethlisberger shivs Mason Rudolph tomorrow. We'll be joined by Matt Williamson. We'll be joined by Lance Lizowski. And we might talk about race. It's a Wednesday. They floated the topic today. And by that, I mean. The topic of Ryan Reeves leading Vegas to the Stanley Cup Final. Because George LaRock just tweeted out that that's exactly what he did. Of course he did. And that'll be the race talk. Black hockey players. See you tomorrow, bitches. ESPN Pittsburgh.